I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think the funniest of people have grown up in funny households where laughter is present every day, where quick wit and smartness is used as a part of life. So they grow up with humor inside them that's ready to come out. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the worlds of business, sport, and entertainment, who are here to share their wisdom and their use of humor with you. Humorology is the study of how humor can dramatically improve your business success and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock, and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is a multi-award winning icon in the world of dance and philanthropy. As the founder of the seminal dance group Hot Gossip, she has built a career as a high-quality choreographer, having done work in the West End, Broadway and Hollywood. In addition to her creative career as a choreographer, she has also had a cracking career creating television magic as a judge and presenter on programmes like So You Think You Can Dance and, of course, Strictly Come Dancing. She was appointed an OBE in 2001, a CBE in 2013 and a DBE in 2021 for her work in the world of dance and charity. In addition to being a legend of choreography, she has created several charitable events to raise money for survivors of tragedy. Dame Marlene Phillips, welcome to the Humorology podcast. Thank you and what a lovely introduction. That was fun. Oh, you see, we're having fun already, Arlene. No, it was all true and, and, and a, quite a remarkable career. Um, I, I've been following your career from afar for quite a while, and I'll explain how later. But firstly, I wanted to take you back to Prestwick, uh, near Manchester, where you were born growing up. Was humour valued in your family? I never thought of humour at all in my family, but I do remember my father laughing. Anything he saw of Charlie Chaplin, he would be 
on the floor laughing. And so that sticks with me, that physical humor was there, even though I didn't notice it, as what it was one could laugh at fully. And literally, it didn't matter if you wanted to go and pee, the laughter was so great. That's funny you mentioned physical humor because uh, so much of what you've done in the world has been about physicalizing actually movement and and enhancing things through physical humor um what your father was a barber wasn't yeah. he yes. and uh, yeah. Yeah. so i'm always imagining that barbers have to have a bit of patter and have to have a little bit of humor one would think but my father was actually quite a serious man you know he'd had a tough life growing up I mean really tough you know thrown out of home at 12 years old by the archetypal almost wicked stepmother um, who had her own son um, and um, my father's uh, mother died when he was very young uh, two years old and the stepmother came in and then she had her own child and that was time for my father to go so he carried the weight of the world and so it was incredible, you know, that it took a Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin to make him laugh. There wasn't a lot of humor in the air or, or humor um, that was, uh, which is what I love, what I call accidental humor. People are funny and they have no intention of actually being funny. Um, so there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of that around. So to me, laughter was something you had to see to experience. Oh, isn't that interesting that, uh, that you had to, the physical humor was the humor that actually resonated with you, which makes sense, doesn't it? In, in, given what you've done all your life. Yes, it certainly does. Um, and I wouldn't say that I was someone that was specifically brilliant at physical humor. Often, even when I'm creating humor, the, the comedy happens accidentally. Um, but there are the most incredible directors um, whose work in actually timing a look um, is extraordinary. I'm working with Eric Idle um, a great deal, and the Pythons, their humor would be not accidental, but it was about who looks at who, when, what makes something funny. It's about timing, comedy timing, Ben Elton, comedy timing, the people I've worked with um, and experienced and taken great knowledge of, of how to make something funny. When is a joke no longer funny? You know, it's what Eric calls, never put a hat on a hat. Find that moment, get away from it. That's the moment. Don't try and um, build the comedy. There's, it's all about timing. It's so interesting that you talk about timing because uh, you choreographed, I think for me, one of the greatest moments of comedy on film ever with Monty Python, as you mentioned, the meaning of life. Every sperm is sacred is absolutely perfect in every way from the physical comedy they get into it 
Can you just talk a little bit about how you created something well, that has lasted forever? Well, what is truly interesting is that working with Terry Jones, who is and certainly, you know, was the most extraordinary comedian, but also an artist. So working with Terry, he would draw frame by frame what he wanted to see on the film. Underneath would be the bars of music and the lyrics. And I had to turn those little pictures into choreography. And that's the way we work together. I would look at these drawings and I would connect them to the music, to the lyrics, and we would shoot it together. So we built that musical number frame by frame from, a, from his wonderful little drawings. That, I mean, that's extraordinary because every moment of those visual gags are, are hit it. You talk about timing. There is not one bit of timing that is out there. And so for somebody who choreographs, that must be such a delight to work with somebody visual like Terry Jones, who could actually interpret that and make the timing hit every time. It, it, was, it was incredible. But I knew that on every frame or lyric, what Terry wanted to happen. So I would create, you know, he would just like, for instance, the, uh, the, in the prams, the nannies and prams, um, I would create the choreography. He would just say, I want nannies and prams, and I would create it. Really, that is one of my favourite things. I Seriously, I think it is the greatest comedy song on film ever. And I've spent my life around comedy. And it, it, it's perfect. And I would advise all our listeners to rush out and, and look it up again because it just gets better with time. And there is no beat out of place, either comedically or choreographically. It's just perfection on screen. So let's go back to when you were growing up, because I know that um, both your parents loved ballet and you talked about your father who was a barber loving chaplain obviously there is something inherent in there about the physicality and loving even coming from a poor background getting taken to the ballet is that what fired you up first of all absolutely seeing ballet was something that i can't even express what it did to me the the way you could combine music and movement i knew from a very young age this is what i wanted to do i spent hours in the library as soon as i was old enough to go myself every ballet book off the shelf um and just lived in a world where i was going to dance that was my go-to place to be in a ballet studio, to, to listen to the music, to feel the music, to exercise my body. It was, it was really, I look back and think this was a gift, a gift of escaping. I didn't enjoy school. I wasn't particularly bright at school. Um, and as ever, it feels that the brightest children are the ones who come in for praise. And when you're back at the class, 
you know, no one ever thinks anything of you. But I had my world where um, I was I was dancing and so nothing else mattered. It's funny because I can see you, for those people listening at home and not watching, I can see you, Arlene, transform even as you speak about it and you remember the kinesthetics of what actually happened to you. And your your face transforms into joy. The, 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 you remember the joy that gave you. Do, you. do you think that actually finding that at an early age transformed your life? Without question, finding dance and knowing I had that in my life as a big part of my life has really, you know, from a young age, always, always held me together, knowing what I wanted to do, falling in love with dance and being together with movement and music. I'm still the same. And I am still not just in my work, but everything I go to see um, still has everything to do with dance. And it's given me a life that I never expected to have ever. Well, it, it's funny because it has given you this extraordinary life and you started from, um, you know, like I said, in Prestwick, which was and not very salubrious circumstances. And now you're mixing with, you know, the highest echelons in the world. Do yes. you think that that having a sense of humour, having a sense of lightness, having a sense of joy that you talked about with the dance has helped you bond in all sections of society? I think all sections of society and bonding doesn't quite to go together with me. Somehow I think when you have grown up with, with problems, with with poverty, with difficulties, losing my mum, I think you never feel um, quite good enough. So there's a certain section of society that I feel I don't belong in. Uh, I, I still can't come to terms with being a Dane. It seems just so unlikely, but I am at ease. If I am working, I'm always there to tell them what to do, to make them feel good, but make sure that I get my way um, choreographing music videos or films or whatever it may be. I find a way to encourage the stars I work with that don't necessarily always want to do what I ask them to do, to find a way through lightness and air and fun and, oh, I'll get up and do it. I'll show you what it can be. You just find a path. And I think I would say I found a path. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that, that through dance, when you are in your own safe space, if you want to call it, Yes. then there is full confidence because the joy just seeps out of you and everything. But, uh, and in other situations, you're, you talk about, and I may be over-egging it, but from a psychological perspective, slight imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, imposter syndrome. I think a lot of pe people I know uh, feel like that, who unexpectedly have found that, they have become 
a celebrity and generally when you step into that world you find yourself being asked to talk about all sorts of things you mostly know nothing about just because of who you are so yes you do feel like an imposter how can i talk on this subject how can i get involved in this do i really know enough about it but because of who you are you get asked to do a lot of things and in a sense um, the good side of it is charity because you know by just being who you have become you can help you can fundraise you can support you can give people hope and that is really one of the blessings of becoming that so-called world a celebrity i mean celebrity dies just as quickly as it comes you know we all have to know that we all grow out of it or there's time when your importance is no longer relevant but that's something you just accept because people have to keep on having their chance to step in and then gracefully step out i think the the important word you use there is gracefully because uh, and there's there's a word that a, a choreographer and a dancer would use i think you are incredibly graceful not just in uh, your movement and your the way you teach but but in your attitude and i think attitude is one of those things i mean everybody when i said i'm i'm going to uh, interview uh, arlene phillips said ask her how she stays so young and i said my guess is that she has a great attitude and you've just shown this attitude what are you doing internally to keep this attitude of joy and and youngness i think um a little like share my age is not the chronological numbers my age is what's going on inside and that's the only way i can describe it if i feel energetically um bright internally it's just going to pop out with whether i like it or not and yes the aging process without question is happening am i as fast am i as quick but inside i'm still there i'm still whatever age i wake up feeling i love it because actually your face lights up when you start talking about that and the americans have a saying which i've always liked which is uh, your attitude is your altitude i.e that's how high you can go yeah. And with the right attitude. But I've talked to our, our, our producer today, David, who you know very well. And David said he was astonished that he was at a party with you uh, a few months ago and you were still dancing away at two o'clock in the morning with all the vim and vigor that is there you know but that's about attitude and the humorology project is all about having fun about having joy and how that can impact on people's lives and i think you're a great example and that's why i want to hear more about your attitude your joie de vivre you know that and how that helps you i think that movement and music which is one of life's greatest forces, should be encouraged from nursery school age right through schools, 
right through so people can use movement and music together, any music, music they love to listen to, to physically just dance. It may not be dance as we know it. It may not have the perfect steps. It doesn't matter. It's what it does for you inside. It's, it's the most beautiful lesson anyone can learn. And I suppose what it does, it grounds you. It gets you in touch with your own body, doesn't it? Because so many people aren't. And that's where the joy comes from, isn't it? Yes. And it's not just about being in touch with your own body, but how quickly you access right and left, how quickly you, you understand rhythm and timing and counting and, and uh, you know, moving in all directions. It really, it's, it's really good for the brain. It really yeah. keeps your brain active. And, and being able to access instantly physical movement can teach you so much when you understand how to use different components of the body together, including the mind, because you're using instructions when you move. It's, it's one of life force's great, greatest lessons. You put steps together, one after the other. What do we do when we read? We learn the alphabet, we learn words, we put them together, we learn to speak. It's that constant chain of movement that helps you move forward in life. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And, it, and, it, and the mind and body are one thing, aren't they? Because one can't do anything without the other. Totally. You mentioned share uh, when you talked about attitude and, and staying long, and you have uh, recently directed the share story. Can you yeah. tell us a bit more about that and what you discovered about her attitude and, and, and a bit more about the show as well? The share show, which is on tour at the moment, there um, are three women playing the shares, young share, middle share, share now. And her life is really interesting. Um, she was dyslexic. She could uh, read, a very, very, very difficult. But at the age of six, she knew she wanted to be a star. That's what she wanted to be, a star like Dumbo. You know, Dumbo's a star, which is funny because it, Dumbo's an elephant, as her mother tells her. But she knew that she wanted to be a star. And she knew that she struggled, but through her life, she became very, very strong in empowering women to be as strong as men, which women never felt that. It wasn't really an experience. You know, men were the dominant ones, women followed. She changed all of that for women. The sense of also today, her being young inside. She treats every day as a day to enjoy, a day to love, a day to stay young, no matter as the days creep up, she's going to use them for her, for her own self and how she wants to use them. Um, the show is her life story. It's full of all of the hits she had. In every decade, she had a number one hit. I mean, she's astonishing. And, and also um, a real activist 
So what more could you want, you know? And um, when her mother says to her famously, you know, why do you know you need to ma marry a rich man? She says, "Mom, I am a rich man." Oh. I think that says it all. Oh, I, I think so. And uh, well, she is a force of nature. And and I, I, you have been around so many forces of nature. You, you've, you've worked with so many diva, divas in your life. Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Tina Turner, and uh, kindly Elton John as well. You know, I would class Elton. And Freddie Mercury. And Freddie, of course. We used to be produced by John Deacon of Queen, so I used to yeah. see them a lot. They were, yeah. Yes, Freddie was remarkable. Yeah. How important when working with these extraordinary people is it to connect with them on a human level and use humour or good humour to find the humanity and the humility in them? You have, you have to connect um, with, with stars, and some of them are are very different. I mean, uh, Elton used to come to make the music videos and he was right. He wasn't fond of getting up early. Um, tell me what I've got to do. Just show me what I've got to do on the day. Freddie, on the other hand, was there from the start. Right, I want you in a meeting. Let's talk about the music. What are we going to see? This is what I want. What can I do? Freddie's really funny, off the cuff. Elton, more serious, but then he can just land something that just has everybody on the floor. Um, very, very different working practice, but you have to be there, be ready. You have to measure their moods and be serious when there is a moment to be serious and just get the humor in when you can sneak it in. You, I always take my tone um, in a reaction to the way they are. I'm very, I think, sensitive and quite good at reading people. So I know when is the right time to laugh it up and when is the right time just to focus and keep somebody centered. That's really interesting because you, you said measure the mood, which I thought was a beautiful phrase. And uh, to me, as a psychologist, I think that's about listening. And I think all the people who connect best with everyone are the people who can listen to the other person. And I'm, I'm thinking measure the mood. It's such a perfect phrase. That I, I think I'm going to steal it. I'm going to put it in a book one day, Arlene. Oh, and you'll get a credit, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I but, always think of my work as measuring the mood. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And... and- uh, obviously, sometimes it's easier to measure the mood than it, uh, uh, than it isn't. Have there been times when you found it difficult to find a way into somebody's uh, psyche and measure their mood? Or can you pretty much turn it on at will? Sometimes it's hard. You know, you're working with highly emotional, sensitive people and you know, for no reason at all. I mean, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is famous for his outbursts and they spring from nowhere. Um, I think I was pretty good at, at getting through all of that with Andrew because I think within me is a great mothering instinct, which I can pull out when needed. That's really interesting. You called it a mothering instinct. And, and I, I, I just call that caring and uh, that they can tell that you actually care and you want to take them with them you on this journey. Because, I mean, obviously, you've been around incredibly creative people all your life. And, and actually, one of the things I was going to ask you is, is, is creativity enhanced by humour? I think... Creativity and humour go side by side. Abs- you know, absolutely bring humour into your creativity. Everybody loves to laugh and smile. For me, it's the unexpected humour I like, the unlikely humour. I love, um, there was a series on TV called Flowers with uh, a very creative director, actor um, called Will, Will Sharp, uh, who plays a character in Flowers called Shun that had me on the floor. Schitt's Creek and Sasha Baron Cohen is another one. That completely bonkers, over-the-top humour um, can have me, on, have me on the floor laughing, whereas sometimes I can watch a comedian do a whole show and the set jokes just don't make me laugh. But that incidental practice, clever humor that just falls out of people, I can, I can watch non 
stop. When you're watching humour, is is a, an element of physicality important for you to actually get it? I mean, obviously the John Cleeses, the Rowan Atkinsons, who are extraordinary with their bodies, does that enhance it for you? Completely, completely. Not um, kind of... Almost deliberate. This this pratfall is going to make you laugh. It's the way of using comedy physically that is the unexpected. And I know how well practiced it is, but you would never know. You would think it just happened on that spot somewhere. That's my passion. That's what I love, and that's what I always try and learn from. Are you, are you one of those people who, when you're surrounded by um, a, a brilliant people, are going, I can learn something here? Completely. All my life, I think, um, I've always searched for people that I can learn from. Um, and, and watching the Pythons, also very, very different. Each one with their own way of expressing humour. Of course you can learn from that. And as I say, watching television, watching, you know, looks passing between people or the way humour is set up. Well, no, but you see, I think that's fascinating. And for our listeners to uh, get uh, a sense of uh, uh, the smartest people, I think, are always listening and learning to what they do. And... I I spent a lot of my life training business leaders to, you know, to be better at pitching and presenting. But one of the things that I say, and you are a great example of this, is look at people who do something really well. If I wanted to learn how to uh, choreograph or get on with megastars, I would look at you and unpack everything you're saying. You've had an extraordinary life where you've mixed with the great and the good, but you've used every bit of that life by, uh, by going, here's a question as a psychologist, I would go, what are they doing that's different and better? And what can I learn from this? And I think that's, all the smartest people in the world are doing that. Don't you agree? I, I think so. Everybody I know listens and learns. Everybody. Everybody takes something from somewhere and, and stores it. You know, we all have these little boxes in the back of our head where you can open the cupboard and bring something out. Uh, yeah, I just think it's really useful to know that, that, that you are still looking and learning at that level. Uh, it's a, so uh, all these big characters that you've worked with, um, what do you think that they are doing that's different and better? What is that special source that makes somebody brilliant at humor i mean you talked about the pythons you've worked with you know elton and freddie and all those people what's that special source that makes somebody charismatic i think the funniest of people have grown up in funny households where laughter is present every day where quick wit and smartness is used as a part of life. 
So they grow up with humor inside them that's ready to come out. I don't think anyone that maybe has grown up in a very, very serious household will think about humor. Um, I think there's always that energy within people that have grown up uh, with humor. So do you think it's sort of by osmosis in a, in a sense that you, you catch it? I think it's by osmosis, but I'm also surprised how so many doctors, and some I know who are, you know, have been practicing doctors are now comedians. Where does doctor and comedian come together? One of the funniest people I know is a man called Harry Brunges, who is the, the chairman of the English National Opera. And he also has this huge, huge practice as a doctor. He's one of the funniest people I know. And in his life, training as a doctor, his sideline was end of the pier, doing comedy at the end of the pier. But when you think there are many doctors who have become comedians, what is it? Is it a certain brain? Is it a certain comedy brain? Because a lot of academics are comedians. Is there a connection uh, between academia and comedy? Well, it's very interesting because we've had Dr. Phil Hammonds. Do you know Dr. Phil? Uh, yeah. On the show, and I advise anyone to listen back to uh, that episode because he's not only very erudite and smart and gives great advice, he's also hilarious. But he does essentially stand up and being a doctor at the same time. That leads me on to my question. Is everyone funny? No. Or no, there you go. Very quick no. answer to I'm not funny. I, I do find people laughing at me, never know why. I always think something I've said is funny, but I'm not funny. I'm not someone who is stored with great humor. If I say something funny, it's totally by accident. It's not planned. Um, so I don't think everyone's funny. I think it's actually rarer than we think. I have a couple of friends who are hilarious. One of them is one of my associates, Richard Rowe, who can make me laugh. I am crumpling up. Um, <clears throat> you know, he loves Christmas. He starts Christmas in October. Um, and he's just funny. But I can't count on two hands the people I know that are really funny. Isn't that interesting, though, that you don't class yourself as funny, but you see the whole Humorology project is, a, is about... It's about having a lightness of touch. It's not about always being the person who does the gags. And they're traditionally funny. To be part of the ecosystem, or in your world, the troupe, you need people who will laugh easily as well to be the audience. Are you a good audience? Are you a good laugher? Are you a good, do, you, do you bring out the best in these people? I think I'm a pretty good audience because often on, um, on my WhatsApp, to various people that I WhatsApp. And the amount of times they come back with the laughing, crying, sim, you know, um, emoji. Uh, symbol, emoji, um, 
is, um, is frequent. So obviously I make people laugh and, and I'm there to laugh at them. And I love humor. I will search for people that make me laugh, which as I say, um, will sharp. I have to say that I first fell in love and I can use that word when he was in a series called Giri Haji, which was very serious, but incredible. And then I discovered this series, Flowers, where he plays his character, Shan. And I watch and rewatch and rewatch. He's so funny. He's, he's a brilliant human being. I don't know him, I've never met him, but if I ever do, my gosh, He's genius. The Humorology podcast will try and facilitate that meeting uh, as, as soon as possible. Um, uh, no, it's uh, you talked about not being outwardly funny, but I actually think you are you have funny bones. You understand funny, if that makes sense. And you appreciate it. And you've been able to actually uh, enhance funny through the choreography. So when you talked about working with Terry Jones and Monty Python, that's enhancing it. And a lot of the amazing videos you've done over the years have included things that are fun and funny. You know, I'm Still Standing is absolutely hilarious. It certainly is. And when you think about the lyrics, it's even more hilarious. But you know, that was an accident. Um, we had not planned to make actually that video, but when we arrived in uh, Nice, we weren't allowed to make the video we had planned because it was too dangerous. So all of that was literally on the spot. My friend in the South of France had this huge dance school. I said, send me your dancers. We got face paint. I choreographed each a little bit piece by piece and then say, right, remember that, do this, do that. Elton, I love that moment of his joy walking down with his cane uh, um, as he's walking down the promenade. It's so full of light and joy. And it was, it was a lot of fun to make. We laughed and smiled all day long. And that's what comes out, isn't it? If people are having joy in the workplace, that that actually comes out. Do you actually deliberately set up a, a an atmosphere whereby people can be more creative because they are in a joyous mood? I am totally keen on trying to give everyone the opportunity to express themselves, everyone to have an opportunity to feel that they can in, that, that they can get involved. Um, and yes lightness and humor in a workplace is definitely beneficial. You know, humor and laughter is good for the endorphins. Without question, you're releasing so much by just allowing yourself to laugh and everybody else to laugh. I couldn't agree more and it's a perfect perfect reason to be talking to you because I can I can feel the energy and the laughter and the joy seeping out of every bone in your body and and all I can think of is who else could have got Elton to John to do that silly little dance when feeling like a little kid 
in yeah. I'm still standing. That's yes. It's, yeah. it's an iconic image. And and I don't think some, somebody else could have got that out of him. It was a power of persuasion. And eventually, you know, surrounded by our wonderful dancers, Elton just got with the groove and, and just went with it. And it was such a delight and such a wonderful, a wonderful moment. Well, I, I think it's an iconic moment. And, and by the way, when you bring that out in people, I think that humanizes them, doesn't it? And it makes them more loved uh, than, you know, uh, you know, the, the words national treasure of no, than both of you and Elton are national treasures, often overused. But that's because people can actually feel the humanity and the, uh, that humanity through those kind of movements, I think is so powerful. I, I would agree. I love seeing and watching Elton in that moment. Oh, it's wonderful. Well, Arlene, we've reached a time in the show which we like to call quick fire questions. Okay. <laughs> quick fire questions. Arlene, who is the funniest business person that you've met? I think I briefly mentioned him before, but it's Harry Brunges, Dr. Harry Brunges, a doctor and a chairman of the ENO, is one of the funniest men on the planet. Uh, and what makes him so funny? Is he physical with that funny or is it just verbal? He's not very tall, so he is quite sort of physical and animated, but it's the way it, it just comes out so fast. He's a quick talker, and he has a quick comedic answer for anything and everything. What book makes you laugh, Arlene? I cannot even think of a book that has made me laugh. Maybe reading A Cat in the Hat to my daughter um, is about the closest I've got to actually laughing in a book. Well, that's a lovely answer. Dr. Zeus and all those books are, are, are magnificent. And isn't yeah. there something about uh, laughing because your child laughs and, and you, you get that sort of feeling, that bonding feeling as well? It's completely about the response your child has. Totally and utterly. Hearing them laugh, best thing in the world. It's like medicine. Absolutely. So what film makes you laugh? I think I have to do a recent film, which is um, the Borat film, Subsequent. I was crying. <laughs> I was crying in the cinema when I watched that. Yeah. Is it, do you think, because of what you do, that physicality uh, which um, Sasha Baron Cohen really is probably... One, the best of his era at, at doing. I think it's not just physical. It's the way he makes everything feel so fresh and of the moment. And the fact he's so damn fearless. Who else would go that far? Who else but Sasha Baron Cohen? I think he's a genius and it's an overused word, but I, I, I genuinely do think he's a genius. We're going to take a shift to the other side before we... Uh, go back it's what's not funny me mm, i you see i disagree i think you're great fun 
and therefore funny. I would like to think I was funny, but overall, I'm not. I'm not somebody that would that people would come to uh, to have a laugh. I really am not, and I I don't see myself as funny. Do you have any uh, red lines of things that you think aren't funny or aren't jokeable about, or do you think everything uh, can, if, if done in the right spirit? I, I'm I'm all for all for humour. I think I think there are red lines you can draw, um, because I am very keen not to be offensive, and I know people say you can get away with it within comedy and you should but I think that I'm pretty hold on a minute that isn't funny I, I yes I think I'm someone that squashes humor <clears throat> I also can go and see a show and I and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this I don't know that I should but there are certain comedians who I cannot get on their level of humor I cannot I cannot get what the audience is roaring at. But that's humour, isn't it? it it's, a, it's something different for everyone. It's, it's like, it's, yeah. it's attraction. It's in the eye of the beholder yeah. or the ear of the beholder, is it not? Yeah, yes, yes. Um, well, we won't ask you for which comedians because uh, you know, they might have been on the show. Uh, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to say which, a couple of really famous ones, um, but um, no. Billy Connolly can always make me laugh. It's funny, Billy's name comes up again and again uh, and again. Really? He's just, well, because, I mean, there he's just naturally funny. Yeah. And, I, and I'm always, yeah. my mother was from the East End of Glasgow. And so I think there was something about that, that yeah. working class uh, thing, which is so real, so earthy. Yeah. But actually... From your standpoint, is it not also, he's incredibly, I mean, uh, the bless him at the moment, he's obviously got Parkinson's, so he's losing some of his physical attributes. But as his peak, he was so physically powerful as well, wasn't he? He is brilliant in every way. You know, he's a musician, he is a comedian, he's physical, he's an artist, he's a storyteller. He, there's so much about him, but he is funny. And it's always with that kind of quite serious face on and then he will burst out laughing. You know, he's, yeah, he's very much almost connected to the animal world in his physicality and his big roar of laughter that will come out from nowhere. It, it's, 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 uh, oh. That is the best description I've ever heard of Billy Connolly. Almost <laughs> connected to the animal world. But yes, you can see it. Yeah. Because of the, the, the physicality yeah. and the roar at the yeah. end. I absolutely love that. Yeah. What word makes you laugh? I'm going to go back to Shit's Creek because it's the sister, um, Alexis. The way she said, after, I can't even do it. My daughters do it brilliantly. Um, it's the way she used the word, I suppose it's E-U-G-H. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just, it was just hilarious, which makes me realise you can make one word, you can find it, and you can use it and reuse it in different ways and make it funny. Whatever that yeah. damn word is, it could even be damn. 
Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting when we're trying to write this down when it's, it's, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, she was brilliant. Is there a sound that makes you laugh, Arlene? Oh, a sound. I suppose the unexpected fart can always draw some laughter from me. <laughs> when it, from yes, yes. Well, I've, I've just had an image of these beautiful ballet dancers actually <laughs> prancing and then a fart appears, which... Yes, which... Oh, you know, walking up a street behind someone. <laughs> you're behind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, no, by the way, just so you know, an unexpected fart. <laughs> yeah, that's in the street. <laughs> yeah, that can make me laugh. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. I think that, that mm. that's wonderful. Um, I think I would you rather be considered clever or funny, Arlene? Uh oh. <clears throat> I'd love to be really funny. I think if you're really funny, you're clever too. You can have the best of both worlds. Well, no, you can have the best of both worlds. <laughs> and actually, I would agree with you. Uh, I've never met uh, somebody who's really funny who isn't really intelligent as well. Because yeah. in order to actually make those neural connections, you have to do that. And, and you talked about your friend uh, Harry at the ENO being the funniest person you know, business person you know, and you go, well, actually, they, they have to be really intelligent as well, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. And finally, Arlene, desert island gags. You can only take one joke with you to a desert island. What is it? My joke would be... <clears throat> Man cleaning toilets. I've been cleaning these toilets for 25 years and the things I've seen, you wouldn't believe it. No one comes in for a shit anymore. <laughs> 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 it always makes me laugh. I don't know, and I can see why. It's brilliant. It's absolutely, and what a lovely way to end. Dame Arlene Phillips, thank you so much for bringing so much physicality and joy into our, our lives and actually bringing so much laughter into our lives. You've actually really changed a lot of lives for the better. And I thank you very much for being a guest on the Humorology Project. It's been a real pleasure, Paul. It really has. And I've actually laughed. I think my eye makeup's probably running. Oh, well there's the greatest thing ever we've laughed together thank yeah. you so much thank you the humorology podcast was hosted by paul barros produced by david rose music by steve hayworth creative direction by les hughes and additional research by helen sykes please remember to subscribe like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production.